0: Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, featured columnist at CLNS Radio, familiar voice here on Celtics Beat, and of course, author of the now critically acclaimed Fall of the Boston Celtics. Thank you to all those who have downloaded the book. Your appreciation only serves as a validation. And to those still interested in claiming your free copy that you are obligated to as a Celtics or an NBA fan, go to www.clnsradio.com slash book. That's clnsradio.com slash LHR book. But for now, we know why you're here to listen to the number one Boston Celtics podcast on the web, Celticspeak. Brought to you by Lynda.com. Now, on with the show. Well, there's an old school introduction released my book at this time last year. Felt like we could run that if you still want to grab it, if you haven't already. Can't believe it's been a year, but it has. It's been a year since that book came out. Today is Sunday, December 27th, 2015. I am Larry H. Russell, and this is Celtic Speed being presented today by Tick IQ. Two announcements for the show. Number two, we will save for the end of the show. So I guess if you want to find out what that announcement is so badly, I guess you can just fast forward right now and listen Although that may screw up your synchronization and you may not want to miss our guests, which today features Sean Devaney of the Sporting News in our Boston Celtics pregame segment with today's game against the New York Knicks. We'll bang something out real quick with ESPN's Chris Forsberg. One announcement later, one announcement right now. As you know, this show, episode number 137 of Celtics Beat, is being sponsored by TickIQ. TickIQ and Celtics Beat are allowing you, our loyal Celtics Beat listener, to win free tickets to upcoming Celtics games. For a detailed list of all available games to win free seats to see the likes of Paul George and the Indiana Pacers or Paul Pierce and the Los Angeles Clippers at the TD Garden in 2016, head on over to the Celtics Beat Facebook page at facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. That's facebook.com slash Celtics Beat to find out contest details and being able to enter to win free pairs of Celtics tickets to games this coming year. Pacers tickets want into the drawing? Easy. Follow at CLNS underscore LHR on Twitter. That's it. Follow at CLNS underscore LHR, and you're in the contest to win a free pair of seats to that game. Tickets to see Paul Pierce and the Los Angeles Clippers. Follow at CLNS Radio on Twitter. That's at CLNS Radio. Again, full list of all the contests. To win free tickets and memorabilia is on our Facebook page by simply liking Celtics Beat at Facebook.com slash Beat if you want to get more information. And if you want to purchase tickets to Celtics games or even Patriots playoff games, concerts, shows, or your favorite team on the road, go ahead and download the Tick IQ mobile app available for download to your phone, Tick IQ T-I-Q-I-Q already has the cheapest tickets for all Boston sports. And now with their mobile app, you can save up to 10% more on tickets to any live event. You can set price alerts to be notified when tickets within your price range become available, as well as see all the top deals for games with the Garden, Gillette, and on the Road. They aggregate all ticket sellers on one platform and have the most competitive prices out there. Head to the Apple App Store to download the Tick IQ app and start saving today. That is T-I-Q-I-Q. Use the promo code BOSTON for 10% off your first purchase. So there's a little Merry Christmas from us on behalf of Celtics Speed and CLNS Radio. Least we can do for our audience who has been the driving force in making this show what it is today, the number one podcast on the web, which covers the Boston Celtics. And thank you to the Boston Celtics, who, in 2015, certainly made covering this team far more enjoyable than covering this team in, say, oh, I don't know, 2014, a little Merry Christmas from us and a Merry Christmas from the Celtics, who pitched a perfect week this season. I've been talking about this stretch all year now, all season. Been pointing this out, how the Celtics had a tricky first month and a half to start the year and the goal was to just get to 500 or a little above, and they did that. But starting around Christmas now, the schedule really lightens up, and the Celtics are now in the midst of a stretch starting tonight against the Knicks where they do not see a team over 500 except a home game in January against the Pistons until the Bulls January 7th on the road. I've been admonishing in a way that this team, in the last calendar year, that as much progress they have made under Brad Stevens this team is still yet to really go on a run they did have that 7 and 1 april last uh, year what, one thing i've said it well things have never really spiraled out of control every time this team suffers a bad loss or two you think they may go out may go a little south they come back and they usually get a nice win usually on the road but at the same time Every time you think they're really ready to take off and get noticed around the league by ripping off like eight in a row or 14 out of 15 or whatever, they suffer a bad loss that everyone just sort of attributes to as, oh, it's just one of those games. And the Celtics do seem to have one of those games a little more than you would like for them to see. And yes, this team is still growing. And yes, you can say they're not good enough for that, etc. But I disagree. I've seen the Celtics come out flat in very winnable home games uh, going back to last year. I've seen the Celts take their pedal off the metal a bit. Go back to that past season when as good as last season was, had they won a few more games in that second half of the year, and even late in the year when they went on that run, they would have avoided Cleveland. So it is pretty important. And now it's actually sitting on a tee for them a bit here. First off, they have a lot of players playing well. The individual improvement is there. Kelly Olynyk, my goodness, all I hear is, and I love to make fun of it, when you hear the clock punchers on TV, certain of those clock punchers on TV or on the radio, and whoever's willing to listen, they'll say, give us, provide us incredible analysis like, Kelly Olenek needs to focus on being more consistent. And it's like, duh. I mean, thank you very much for that, huh? I guess, but what, you know, Kelly Olenek, not only consistent, but playing with ramped up intensity. He's done that actually the last. A couple of weeks now, there's certainly last few games on this road trip. I actually felt this was something that he didn't have. And I w- would tell people why, as opposed to say something as certainly as bland as, oh, Kelly Olenek needs to be more consistent. No kidding. As of course, every single player in the NBA hopes to be so. But I felt that that was something that would hold him back from being that consistent, a contributor night in and night out. I always felt that if things weren't going well for him, if an adversary was taking him out of his game a bit, then he starts moping along. And for every night, he's filling up the box score. There are those nights where you just say, what in God's name is that man doing in the NBA? I just think that he had sort of a mental block that he could never really get around. He was easily taken out of his game. I just felt that, like, with all his skills, he'd be someone you'd always see in the NBA. Or he'd always be on a bench. But he definitely had a mental hurdle. And maybe, did he... He get past that maybe this just very well could be that stretch in which he takes that next step and becomes a very important piece to a successful NBA team but for example last night in Detroit he did not set the world on fire but in past games that's usually when he's been reverted into being a pretty ineffective player but he I thought he was pretty instrumental in that win last night that's something that's not really been there for him and down the line too with everybody on this team obviously we've talked enough about the leap Avery Bradley has made this season So this team has players playing well. Last night, all five starters in double figures. Guys playing defense who you never thought could re Kelly Olenek. A lot of players are playing well. A lot of players are improving. This team is playing well. Three-game winning streak here, and they're back at it tonight after last night's mini gut check win in Detroit. One more quick thought. Bye-bye. Pistons game. I thought that was an easy spot for a letdown. You grab another nice win in Charlotte. Then you spend your holiday in freaking Detroit, which nobody wants to do. This team is good at surprising you. You know that. When you thought it's likely they can come out flat in Detroit, they come out like gangbusters and build a strong enough lead for them to hold on to, which they end up doing last night, despite a Pistons run late there. Then when you think they're riding some momentum, and they have a lackluster opponent sitting there right there for them, and you just think you can just peg that game, particularly at home, as a win, that's usually when they suffer a letdown. And lo and behold, here we are. Celtics are back in action tonight against... The New York Knicks in Boston. You'd like to think that's a game they should be able to just circle as a W. But we're here to talk about that right now. Our Boston Celtics pregame segment with Chris Forsberg of ESPN Boston is brought to you by American dot com. Is your New Year's resolution like those of many to lose the weight and get healthy? Well, you can't do that without a clean diet and science has now proven 100 percent. Grass-fed certified organic beef is one of the most nutritional options out there. Let americanfarmersnetwork.com provide the staples to your path to effortless weight loss and optimal health with their array of pasture-raised and certified organic meat. AFN's animals are raised, cared for, ranched, and harvested on small family farms, not corporate-sponsored industrial factories. Don't listen to faux science regarding meat and stop consuming animals that were likely infested with antibiotics, growth hormones, and grain-fed diets. Humane lifestyles for the animal mean an even more healthy lifestyle for you. And that's why American Farmers Network's animals ate right so you could too. Log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com now and begin or continue your journey to peak physical fitness today. Chris... I'm going to give you my most exciting question of the day. Tell me what the Celtics have to do to beat the Knicks later tonight.
1: Uh, you know what? I, it, it, especially this early in the season, I hate to, to, to default to what Brad always says, but I always kind of focus on what the Celtics have to do. And I think we've, we've learned at this point, if they play defense to their capabilities, if they take care of the basketball, even if their shots don't go down, they're going to give themselves a chance. Now, you know, I guess if you look at the Knicks, you say, Carmelo, and you got to slow him. And Porzingis, you don't want to let, the, let the, the the intriguing rookie uh, get going. But um, I, I just really think the the Celtics need to to play their brand of, of basketball, and uh, and let's see if they can do that because that's the one thing we haven't seen is that uh, you just don't know from night to night if if they're going to be able to to keep that up.
0: That has actually been kind of the big problem of not just the season, but going back to when they really turned things around last January, last February, there's, this team has still yet gotten to the point where you can peg them down for wins. I, I know they played last night and everything, but this is still sort of a game where if you're going to be a team that's going to be, maybe not a championship team, but say good enough to be a respectable playoff team, there are games, i.e. Knicks at home you should be able to just check off in the win column, but you're still never really that comfortable with that. I just saw. I remember Sean Granny last week on this show and yeah. how this team was – Five hundred or a little bit under since last January.
1: It, it, it's so true. It's it, you, you sit there and, and I, I never can get a good read. I think it, it's funny. I'll, I'll, I'll drive into games with with Bill Doyle from the Worcester Telegram and we'll say you know what, you know what's your gut tell you tonight. And I don't know if my if, if your gut can ever quite direct you with, with this team because you, it, it is kind of un, unpredictable. Your brain can't either. Yeah, right. <laughs> you uh you tend to 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 to, to I think these games are the ones that you can take off, like you said, but then they tend to bring their best effort against the, the better teams and they might not win those games, but it, it is something like, you know, uh, this young team has to kind of get over that, that mental hurdle that, you know, it can't just show up and beat teams. And I don't think they, I don't think necessarily this, this team feels that way often. But, you know, sometimes you get rolling and and you start feeling better about yourself and uh, maybe you overlook the teams that are below you instead because they're not the Warriors and they're not the Spurs and you're not getting up for those games. So, I mean, I think that's just every team has to guard against that. But certainly, like you said, you know, Knicks at home, this is a game they should probably win. And so they've got to figure out a way to, uh, especially on the second night of a back-to-back, make sure they they bring that focus and, and, and figure out how to win this game.
0: I know we—or what is this we? I'm speaking French here. I know I am sort of venting and fretting in a way, which I guess is probably not what the audience wants to hear as this team's on a three-game winning streak right now. But they've got three consecutive wins under their belt, and their last two road contests against teams that are over 500. This team has that ability to be playoff teams on the road and at a fairly consistent rate, which is impressive in its own right. But all I hear about is improvement, and not just from the media and intellectual fans, but from the team executives. And here we go. Shameless plug for my book. I go back to when I was writing my book last year, which if you still want to get, see on slash LHR book. Anyways, I was talking to Leo Papil for the book, and I remember what he said to me. There are four stages of becoming a great team. First stage. The ability to consistently beat non-playoff teams at home. The second is the ability to consistently beat non-playoff teams on the road. Third and fourth, you can sort of connect the dots and see where I'm going. Anyways, it's like I feel the Celtics have not even mastered that first stage yet, which is such an outlier and goes everything against what Papil said as this team has the capabilities of beating playoff teams on the road. So it's like there's a nice little benchmark and goal for this team. Let's see if they can master stage one. And you'd like to think that not only that starts tonight with a Knicks home game, but the coming games as well. I'd like to think this team, Chris, should not lose a game until January 7th in Chicago and go on the first real winning streak of the Bad Stevens era.
1: Yeah, and, and like you said, they, did, they need to take advantage of these stretches. Like the same way I felt like at the start of the year, I think six of their first eight were at home, and you sort of had this feeling like they had to start fast to – to really give themselves a chance out of the gate. And, well, now looking back, they kind of stumbled. I think, what, one in three start or whatever it was. Uh, they But then they kind of figured it out. So, you know, you don't want to overreact if they, if they do stumble along the way here. But, but you do you start looking at this crowded east. And as ridiculous as it sounds, you wake up some mornings and you look at the standings. And I think Celtics fans are pretty comfortable with how this team is playing like they'd rather they'd love to see more consistency but you know you you get the sense that they are playing at at a high level that their defense is going to give them a chance and yet you look at the standing some morning and they're outside the playoff picture so you definitely need to to start creating separation and uh this is the time of year when you start going into january and and when the schedule picks up here you're going to see teams start to separate a bit you can't leave potential wins on the table uh you know even you think back to last year now the Celtics had that second half surge and they sort of they didn't care who they ended up with but you know you start thinking about a win or two is it a big deal well it might be the difference between seeing the Cavs in the first round or you know it it, it, these things matter
0: right the Cavs it was if they had won probably it's they had that great finish last year but I believe had they remember, we were talking about bad home losses. If you remember losing to the Bucks on a Friday night at the very end of the season last year, that pretty much took them out of the running for the sixth seed, which was very attainable last year with how well they played in the second half and how much Milwaukee collapsed after they made that trade for Michael Carter Williams. And if they say beating the Bucks at home or beating the Pistons at home and then gotten those two wins against Miami at home, that's the difference between them being the sixth seed and. Maybe playing Chicago a little tighter and possibly even this year could be the difference between winning a round or completely wasting your time and getting destroyed by Cleveland by 15 plus in four games.
1: Exactly. I mean, it just, you know, and I, I, I'm, listen, I'm the first one to say you don't get too high or too low after a winner or loss. There's going to be times where That's you just, game. you know, you, you just don't have it, but. That being said, you, you gotta, you, you, there, you, you still gotta, you gotta find that consistency. Every, and I can't remember the last inconsistent team that gave itself a chance in the playoffs. Like, you gotta be able to find it and have it when it when it matters. And I just think this would be a really good stretch. With, you know, even dating back to last week when 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 they they're, they played well and kind of rebounded from that, that that little rough stretch. If they can get things going here and uh, and build some momentum, that will really help them. And uh, as as this East starts to figure itself out.
0: I got your inconsistent team that did well in the playoffs, by the way.
1: Yeah, I, well, what year was it?
0: 2010 Celtics. <laughs>
1: Well, you know what? That is true. I, I guess you could say that. I mean, but that was more because they were old and they just couldn't get it going every night, right? Like, you know, you never knew if, if Rashid was going to have it, if you know, if, if Kevin and all those guys. So, I mean, I, I guess that is true. But, but I'm not, I'm not yeah, sure I'm I was ready to say
0: it c- just for I, uh, argument's sake, because obviously <laughs> it does not apply to this team
1: whatsoever. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I would love, uh, if we, if if we want to start comparing this team to the 2010 Celtics, we uh Then we'd, we'd just chug the Kool Aid. <laughs>
0: What do you think your theory is as to why this team does so well on back to backs? Obviously, tonight's a back to back. The Knicks obviously played last night against Atlanta as well. This team, obviously, as Sean Granny was documenting so much, they had won 10 straight back to back contests going back to last year. That streak was broken against Detroit about a week and two weeks ago on yeah. a Wednesday night. Do you have any theory to that, or is that just sort of a, an almost uh, just
1: like something that happened? <laughs> I, you know, I, I think there is a little bit of, of just dumb luck to it. I think, you know, what we've seen through in, in, in dating, I guess if we go back to those 2010 Celtics, you know, remember they lost every night on, on the second night of a back-to-back. Oh, they were they terrible. Just, yeah, they, they couldn't win those I games.
0: excruciating.
1: I, I think there is something to the idea that younger teams and teams that with depth tend to perform better in second nights. That And it, maybe it's just, again, I think it, it really is a mental thing. I don't think it's a physical thing. I mean, these guys can play two nights in a row and not like to have a huge drop off. I think, but I think I do think there are some teams that for whatever reason, just, you know, mentally don't get themselves up for that next night, knowing it's going to be a bit of a grind. And I don't think the Celtics sort of feel that way. And I think maybe it comes back to coaching. You know, I think Brad has put a very heavy emphasis. It's something he's, he said often uh, since he's arrived here is that there will be no excuses uh, for this team on the second night of back to backs. And that, uh you know that if they're going to accomplish what they want to accomplish as, as as a potential playoff team then they need to to win those games you know that streak was just really bizarre like to win 10 second nights of the back to back on road games like that's the the percentage i thought it was something like 31% uh, typical winning percentage for the Celtics to rip off 10 in a row uh, is is just one of the, the most random streaks we'll see especially for a team like this uh, the, the, the funny thing about tonight is is that it's a home like it feels like the Celtics very rarely have second nights of back- to backs at home and so that shouldn't you start thinking well that should help them but I don't know maybe there's you come home after you know this holiday and, and bouncing around on the road uh, I, they, like you said it, it, this is a mental game they've got to figure it, they've got to figure it out.
0: You should be in a good mood coming home from spending Christmas in arguably the worst city in America. <laughs> so you should, like, they should come out feeling like really, really good, like, yay. How about a little Knicks scouting report? That's a team I really don't watch too frequently. I know Porzingis got off to a great start at the beginning of the season. He sort of hit a wall a little bit there. Want to tell me a little something about the Knicks, as much as I need to know about
1: them? You know, you know about as much as I do. Like, I'm interested to see him because I haven't seen a whole lot of them. I'll tell you, I saw Porzingis in Summer League. And I was really intrigued because I think, like a lot of us, we, you know, we, he was a mystery. Like he was intriguing, but it it was a Knicks draft choice, so you just naturally thought it was going to be a bust and it was going to be terrible, and they would pick the wrong guy. But um, I mean, the kid is, is really something special, and I love the fact that he's got all this charisma, and and, and you know, you just can tell he's going to be a star, and you know, he's got the tools to, to make that necessary, and he's got. The way he's embraced it being in a big city and, and the hype and uh, Latvian rap videos and all that. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know how it's going to play out as a team. You know, it, it, the Knicks look like they're, you know, kind of what we expect, maybe a little bit better. Um, They've 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 got the some individual talent there, but I just don't think that we look at that Knicks team and say that this is a contender in, in this sort of crowded East. So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens because like you said, as Porzingis comes back down to a little bit more towards reality as a rookie and do the Knicks start thinking ahead to the future and everyone's sort of wondering what what's gonna happen with Carmelo. Will they move him? Uh, you know, they've got a lot of tough decisions to make and, and, and that's never easy. You know, I think there's some Celtics fans out there that are kind of I in that situation and because, again, Celtics are, you know, forever going to be looking at every guy that comes available and trying to find that 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 potential person to push him over the top. You know, I don't know if, if, if you can add Carmelo to the list of guys like DeMarcus and oh, Dwight. Wow. Howard. Oh, my goodness. I know. But that, well,
0: but that no, was the, but, you know, that was the best part of Christmas was that much of the media <laughs> wasn't working. And as I said to Sean a little earlier, coincidentally, there were no DeMarcus Cousins rumors over Christmas with barely anybody <laughs> working. And well, I even, you know I even what? Rumors, the trade ideas. Now, that's the new thing is just oh, screw the room. You know what? We'll just go with the trade ideas.
1: Well, I think Doc called it silly season, right? Like, right as soon as December fifteenth hit, hits, you're getting from December fifteenth until well, essentially February fifteenth or February twentieth or whatever it is. Uh, just be prepared for complete silliness because this is what happens. And I, I will give I will give our local media a little bit of a pass here because a lot of it tends to come from the national stuff or some website you never heard of. And, you know, invariably, we're at fault for picking it up. But I think there's due diligence because I think there are times when fans are just interested. And you got to you know, get those clicks. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's right. like, like
0: if they're getting clicks. We need those, too.
1: Well, I mean, listen, I, and, and I, I, I sometimes disagree with the notion that it's done solely for clicks. I think sometimes I'll react to a rumor just to get people to like to try and stress that, like, hey, let's look at this rumor and let's understand that it makes no sense, and like let's just let's just every time and this is what I, I stress it to my friends. I stress it to when we, when I talk to to people, I say when a rumor comes out, look at it. I mean it, it does it pass the sNiff test. I'd say ninety five percent of rumors that come out you just can look at and dismiss at face value like because they just don't make sense for either side or they don't make sense for one side it's, it's like you know you can pretty much tell when something has legs. Early on, because it, it, you say you because you, you, your first instincts will be, ooh, you know that that I can see why both teams would be interested in that, and then you know good reporters will go and find out if that is is true or not. But you know what, the other thing you have to do is this time of year is you just have to embrace it, as it, it, as silly as as it gets. You know what, it it it's it kind of fun. I think especially as we get closer to February twentieth, uh, it, it the heightened interest in the league, the heightened interest in in the teams. Is a good thing. You know, I know it drives people nuts when 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 bogus stuff comes up, but it's just almost impossible to sort out. And you just gotta, again, you gotta be diligent and and, and try to figure out. Trust you, you should when you when you're making your Twitter list, put the people you trust in there and the people At you know is better. Yeah, Forsberg I is <laughs> obviously in there. Well, I would hope so, but you know what? You know, there there are plenty of others on this beat that are that are digging through the through the uh, through the, the rough stuff to to figure out what's uh, what's true and what's not. So. Uh, you know, it, but but I, like I said, it, I think it, more often than not, it's harmless and it's fun. And, and then sometimes when people sit there and get their DeMarcus Cousins for Jordan Mickey trade rumors, then you sort of say, OK, that's probably not happening.
0: I think also do with like what's frustrating mostly about Cousins is that, Sacramento has done everything in their power to keep him. Like I think the media is almost forcing him on the market. And because the Celtics are obviously the team with the most assets and have a history of taking on troubled players, the media just sort of just kind of just creates like, oh, well, it, he'd be a good fit for Boston if and when he's ever on the market, which is probably going to be never as long as <laughs> Vlade Divas or all the randoms he in charge in Sacramento because they're – They've run through every single coach they could possibly imagine, and now there's obviously talk – they'll run through George Carl, but there's never even like a shrivel of discussion that they are at all interested in putting Cousins on the roster. They are doing whatever th- – everything in their power to make things work with
1: him out there. Yeah, and, and even when Danny was on, on the radio. And still talk but, about it. Yeah, you know, and, and that's unfortunate. I don't know when that one will die. But it was funny because then, like Dwight gets disgruntled in 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 Houston for like 30 seconds, and everyone's got him, you know, is digging up a a trade rumor to Boston. It's just going to happen because the Celtics again they have all these assets and they have the potential to put themselves in play for anyone. So it's on their name is, and I'll say this, you know, I'll probably do it myself. Is if someone comes, if 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 a player becomes available on the market. You know when, when when Morris is throwing towels at Jeff like people are going to be like, well, you know, Celtics could go get them because they have the assets, and and Phoenix is going to want to get rid of them now. It, it's like, you know, it's it's almost too easy to just lump the Celtics in, but you know, if you're a Celtics fan, the way you got to look at it is that's a good thing because that means your team has put itself in position to at least get in a conversation on any guy that's out there, and then it's it's up to your your GM and your and your brain trust to identify the people that can help you help you most. You know, I don't think anyone was sitting here saying. You know, the Celtics. If Isaiah Thomas becomes available, that's the guy they got to go get. You know, these things. The market's going to play itself out. Things are still way too crowded in in, in in the East and in probably the West too to to really know which guys are going to end up moving by February. You just got to trust that that Danny's going to be diligent. And uh, you know, the, speaking to your point about cousins too, is that I think what we've seen, especially in in recent years, of the Celtics put a really heavy emphasis on character guys. And you know, not. And, and I think that's maybe most prevalent in the draft. Like. You know, I'm not saying that they're going and getting all, all like, you know, Boy Scouts and stuff like that. But they, they definitely put a value on high IQ guys who come from basketball families who, you know, are going to be invested in the game. I think they just have seen there's a track record where, you know, those guys are more likely to develop in this system. And so, yeah, like when the, when the guys who who maybe uh, haven't been able to to coexist with coaches comes up. Uh, I think it's a, it might be a little bit more leery than, say, back in 2010 when you knew that you could bring a little bit of a head case in and you had Garnett and you had Pierce and you had Doc and you had all these veterans to kind of keep them in line. You don't have that right now, so you don't have that that freedom quite as much to just bring in a guy that could could mess with your chemistry. I think they understand they've got a pretty good thing going on here and, and they've got to bring in the right parts.
0: Obviously, this is a pregame show. i I got to blame myself for getting off track here, but this is the most <laughs> important part of the why we have to you. We need to. I know you said you can't really predict from your gut about the Celtics. You can't predict from your brain. You can't predict from your heart.
1: So what, what does your liver tell you
0: about today's game?
1: Oh, oh man, my liver on, on, on uh, still recovering from Christmas mode. But I will say I, I think the Celtics win this game. I, I just can't imagine that, again, both teams coming off a back-to-back. There's no excuse. Celtics at home. Uh, I, I think the Celtics find a way to uh, – to win this one. I just think they, they again, they've they, they played some good basketball going back to last week. Uh, I think it would, it would behoove them to, to, to keep that going. And uh, I, I just don't see the, uh, the there's, there's, they, they typically play well too against the teams that have that sort of go to score. Like, I feel like, you know, I don't know what the hell if they will throw the double team to Carmelo every time or not. Or, uh, but, but they, they tend to, Brad goes in with a good game plan about whether he's going to let the others beat him, or they're going to, or they're going to let Carmelo get his. And you know, so I think, uh, I think the Celtics win this game, and uh, and and we'll see where they can take it from there. Because like you said, Lakers, Nets, like the, the schedule is pretty easy right now. They 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 could get some momentum here.
0: Yeah, you really brought up a great point there about other teams having top notch players. If they are going to be bad teams, you have got those guys like Crowder that can get that just that extra push of adrenaline, obviously, to challenge themselves, but by stopping down Carmelo, but. Chris Forsberg, obviously the Celtics beat reporter for ESPN Boston. And if you do not want to get any horse crap trade rumors, give him a follow on Twitter at <laughs> ESPN Forsberg. Chris, thanks so much for stopping by once again.
1: Hey, Larry. I Always a pleasure. Let's talk again
0: soon. We will, Chris. Always enjoy having you on, as does the audience, judging by the feedback we get, be it as a featured guest or in the pregame segment, which is that. That was your maiden voyage there. Game tonight in Boston if you want to go. Tickets still available on Celtics.com as well as on the resale. And, of course, on the secondary market at TickIQ, rare 7 p.m. tip tonight. But I guess if you're a diehard sports fan, that's a good thing. If you're in the area, it gives you ample time to watch today's Patriots game in the Meadowlands against the Jets and then head down to the Garden to attend the game later tonight. Or, of course, if you want to watch it on TV, 7 p.m. tip tonight on Comcast Sportsnet. And if you're out of the area, game is available as the national broadcast on NBA TV. So looking forward to the game. And me personally, I'm looking forward to its conclusion. I hope this is a game the sellers can just bank want to continue to grow as a team. There are games that you should, that should just be automatics that you can just chalk up and you'd like to think the Knicks at home would be one of them as Chris said, but to transition here onto today's featured guest, which is Sean Devaney, a lot of discussion leading up to Christmas regarding DeMarcus Cousins and some other players. I've been saying it's baloney all along. We'll see what one of the best NBA insiders in the business has to say on the other side of the break.
2: Cruise back to the 80s on the first ever 80s cruise. That's right, seven days in the most radical party to ever hit the high seas with a totally awesome lineup of artists that define the sound of the decade. Join Huey Lewis in the News, Richard Marks, Starship, Cool in the Gang, A Flock of Seagulls, Modern English, Naked Eyes, Tiffany, Wayne Chung, and Jesse's Girl, the ultimate 80s party band, and the original MTV VJs, Nina Blackwood, Mark Goodman, and Alan Hunter. As we cruise to exotic ports of call like Grand Turk, San Juan, St. Thomas, and the private island of Half Moon Key, we're going all out by building an 80s video game arcade with Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, and of course, Pac Man, showing movies like Ferris Bueller and Pretty in Pink and there'll even be a VJ contest. Don't forget to pack your best 80s looks because we're having a prom night, a movie costume party, pajama party and neon beach party. You can't miss this sailing from February 28th through March 6, 2016 for the most gnarly vacation ever. For more information log on to the80scruise.com or call 844-384-8080.
3: Hi, this is Brent Berry, and you're listening to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Brought to you by American Farmers Network. To receive all the big benefits of small family farms and to eat healthy, log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com.
0: Thanks, Bones. Welcome back into Celtics Beat. Thank you for sticking with us, and thank you, Sean Devaney, for joining us once again. Sean is a veteran guest of this podcast and is the NBA insider for the sporting news, and he's here right now. Our interview with Sean is brought to you by Harry's. Wake up to Harry's, a better way to shave with cost-effective razors and products designed to give you the highest quality shaving experience possible. Say goodbye to money going down the drain with utterly absurd arm-and-a-leg prices for drugstore razor blades and say hello, good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, but likely good morning to the smoothest shave you will have for a minuscule fraction of the price. Start shaving and saving today. Simply sign up for an account with harrys.com and get a Truman set, which is Harry's starters kit for $10, which includes a razor, shaving cream or gel, and one month's worth of blades for, again, all of $10. I repeat, a razor, shaving gel or cream, and one full month's worth of blades for $10. No tax, no shipping cost within the U.S. So I repeat, 10 bucks by simply mentioning Celtics upon checkout for a Truman set. That is Celtics upon checkout for a Truman set. And if you do not love your first shave, return it to Harry's for a full refund. Sean, welcome back in. First off, Merry Christmas. Not sure if you heard my interview with Chris, brought your name up there as we shifted a little to some of the discussion regarding the market or lack thereof on the trade discussion. Made a little crack with Chris, actually. Guess I'll reiterate it to you. Funny how with much of the media, given the Christmas holiday and the days around it off, that rumor and talk of Superstar X coming or going to Boston was awfully, awfully quiet over the past couple of days.
3: Yeah, you're right. And there were uh, there, there, there were no trade rumors to report on. And uh, if there were, then, uh, you know, we were under strict orders to keep our phones off. So, so yeah, nothing new to report on that front. Uh, but, you know, probably... Probably nothing new to really report over the last couple months. There just really hasn't been a lot of movement, uh, uh on the trade rumor front. You know, there's uh, obviously you always get things that bubble up, but you know, nothing that really has risen to the, to the level of, uh, uh okay, this is almost close. Uh, uh, probably the only close thing we've seen is, is, is Morris and, in, in, in. uh, uh, in Phoenix, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, that was a deal that, uh, uh, they had with, uh, with, with Houston in place. But other than that, we really haven't seen any, uh, uh any of these rumors really rise to the level of, okay, this is something that might actually happen.
0: And why do you think that is the case? I think, obviously, from me, my vantage point from the outside here is the most obvious reason being that all these teams outside of Golden State and San Antonio at the tippity top and Philadelphia and the Lakers at the very bottom, pretty much all these teams were all bunched in together. Is that pretty much the reason why 85% of the league thinks they're all playoff teams?
3: yeah i well, I think there's a there's a few reasons first you start with the fact that it's still early and, and what we saw last year um you know where you did have some some december deals uh that's 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 a little more of the outlier that's not how how it usually goes usually it's not until after the new year that you really start to see some movement so I think that that's part of it right there uh then, like you say, I think you have a lot of teams that still feel like they're in it and and then they're still feeling like uh, okay if we can make the playoffs and that's a good step forward for us and 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 you know maybe we should add a piece maybe we should wait to see how things develop uh so i think you have a lot of teams that uh, uh that haven't gone into a mode where they're saying okay let's uh let's 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 uh, uh you know dump suppliers and, and 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 start this thing over uh so i think that's been a factor and i think the other factor is just you have this huge amount of money coming onto the market next summer in terms of uh, uh, that TV deal. So when that hits, you know, I think you have a lot of teams that, that, that think if they keep their roster intact that uh, uh, that they'll be able to, uh, you know, go out and sign some players and go out and, uh, and really change the face of their team rather than trying to do it through trades rather than giving up assets and things like that. You have a lot of teams who are going to have money this summer uh, and would rather just do that through free agency. So I think you combine all those things. Things. And that's that's sort of why we haven't seen much movement just yet.
0: And I just yet, because I mean, the way you describe that, I don't think the way you, I don't think there'll be at least from my viewpoint. I don't think there will then be any movement pretty much throughout up until February, because yeah. I believe the last few years have produced very quiet deadlines because of the, just that. And I don't. And why would that change then?
3: No, right, yeah. I I mean, last year was was sort of a high-volume deadline. You know, we we didn't necessarily see, um, you know, a a huge number of big names get traded. But, you know, you had Dragic. You had, obviously, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, So last year was was, was something of a big year. But, um, you know, I think there will be a couple things that change. You know, there will be some teams that say, uh, you know, we're better off, uh, uh, you know, giving away some of our assets in, in order to get better right now. And, you know, people look to the Celtics, for instance, as, as a team that that is very much in that boat so i think as you go forward there will be teams that say uh you know okay we got to start to you know take a team like new orleans uh for for instance if they've just been so ravaged with injuries um you, you know the really, it's unlikely that they'll bring Ryan Anderson back, so, uh, you know, why not try to get something for him? So, you know, when you have situations like that, I do think that as the year goes on, you know, between now and, and that February trade deadline, you're going to see teams be more willing to maybe part with some of those second-tier pieces. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I don't think it'll be a huge deadline for sure. I think I don't think it'll be, uh, in terms of volume or quality, uh, what we saw last year, but, uh, but, but, you know, I do think that this will be other. Uh, there will be some movement between now and february that's that's certainly the way uh, it always seems to go
0: that type these types of comments though have gotten me thinking. You always hear that cliche phrase regarding age of you never know what Danny Ainge is going to do. And I guess that's the case if you sort of look at it from a very simple mindset. But I've always found Danny Ainge to be pretty predictable over the last 12 years. He's been general manager with the Celtics. He's been always been one to sort of maximize value. And with the way you're describing things and the way I've been looking at things, this is clearly a seller's market. Even though this team is in playoff contention, could he still say, you know what, it's still about the long-term process here. And if, if it's going to be a seller's market, maybe he could sort of capitalize on some middling talent.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I I don't think it's necessarily going to be a case where, um, where where he's necessarily going to go out and and say okay, we needed to add another piece and and and, and help with our playoff run. I don't think that's gonna. I don't think he's going to take the eye off the ball. I agree with you that that uh, you know he's he's, he's kind of. Uh, gone about this plan in a very methodical way. He's certainly been aggressive when it's been called for, uh, or tried to be aggressive when it's been been called for. Uh, and you know that's 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 sort of been his pattern. I, I would absolutely agree with you that he is uh, probably more predictable. You know he's he's more willing to uh, uh, to pull the trigger on trades than maybe some other G M s. He's certainly somebody that. Other GMs like to work with, you know, that he has a reputation of sort of uh, being fair and being uh, uh, even handed and not being a guy who's going to come to you with, uh, uh, you know, an outrageous low ball offer, things like that. So, uh, you know, there there are certainly some factors that make him uh, somebody to keep an eye on but he's never been one to a um, you know decide to make a move for the sake of a move uh, or b you know decide that uh, uh, one way or the other that that being a buyer or being a seller necessarily matters just whatever is a good deal that's going to make this team better going forward that he seems to uh, uh, have been willing to do
0: yeah, but at the same time, as I said about middling players, isn't like exactly teams are going to be banging down the door to get someone like David Lee, who we would think is most likely someone that he could move. Although I don't think it's even possible. With obviously with all the television money, as you said, coming in, no one's exactly going to be lining up their big contracts to take on whatever that type of salary David Lee makes. Just the same way, no one's really lining up to take Joe Johnson off the Nets' hands, making fifteen or whatever, close to twenty million dollars. Do this I asked this last week to Sean Grandy in that could Brad Stevens in your eyes would it be beneficial to him if this team trimmed a little fat for Brad Stevens or is just sort of like go as it is, and if you can get a really good deal just like Isaiah Thomas last year then take it
3: yeah you know I, I, I when you watch this team and you see how they've handled their rotations um you know it's definitely to the point where. Uh, they almost have too many similar police, uh, pieces, and and uh, and and it is tough to figure out. And you can kind of tell that right from the beginning of the year that that's how it was going to be. Um, you know, I I don't know necessarily how you trim the fat though. You know, when you say that, uh, you know, he, he's like I said, I don't think you're going to give anybody away. Uh but uh but yeah, when you look at it it, it probably would be easier for Brad Seasons to, to be able to tighten the rotation, but then you say, Okay, well well who doesn't play? You know, I mean is it Solinger or Olenek? I mean I don't think that, that you necessarily want to see that. We've seen uh, you know, David Lee have probably less of an impact on this team than you would have thought. Um and, and you know, even in the backcourt, court uh, in the in the wings you you can really see the same sort of situation. It's probably worse in the front court, uh but uh yeah, you know, it's it's I can't see them just giving anybody away on one hand. Uh, but on the other hand, I do think it would be easier for Brad Stevens. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure that Stevens has had the same mindset pretty much since he took this job, and that is I'm going to coach the players who are here and, and we'll deal with it, you know, whatever they – Need to do to get this team where, where, where it's got to be, uh, you know, I'm going to deal with it. So I, I, I can't see them necessarily, you know, just giving guys away because they think it'll be better for the rotations. I think that, uh, uh that they're still going to try to maximize value, uh, right through the trade deadline and, and, and probably beyond, you know, I mean, as we saw last year, uh, that's, that's, that's the draft nights are very very busy trading uh, uh trading time as well so um yeah, I, I would expect them uh, uh to try to hang on to pieces rather than just to uh, rather than just to get rid of them in order to make it easier on Brad.
0: Yeah, that's something that I disagree with, not disagreeing in how you're saying it, just sort of disagreeing in the mindset. I firmly believe that's what's gotten the Celtics in the predicament that they're in, in that Mm -hmm. it's always been about, quote-unquote, maximizing value and maximizing future trades down the line. And I do think that there was a point where Danny Ainge is just going to have to sort of take his – pedal off the metal in that regard, where it's just not about accumulating every last nickel and dime worth of assets. I hate using that word, but we'll use that there. And I think David Lee is sort of that situation. I did not like when they traded for him in July. They thought After they signed Amir Johnson, they brought Drepko back. They drafted Mickey. They already had Solinger and Olenek. There was really just, there's a point in time where you have to say, okay, we kind of are all set right there. Rather than, oh, geez, maybe we can get David Lee. Maybe we can see he'll do something on the last day of his, you know, last year of his deal. We'll be able to move him and i just think that that's as to why that they're in the predicament and in is why i and why you say that the sellers are not just going to make a trade for the sake of making a trade and certainly i agree with that but if this team dumped david lee and he went and played somewhere else and he played very well it's not going to kill the franchise if you got say short ended in the trade
3: well you know certainly i would i would i would understand that point of view but you know let's be honest how much better are they going to get By dumping David Lee, you know, how much, how much better is that going to make them? Are they going to become, uh, you you know, a team that, that, that sort of catches fire? I guess it's possible, but I, you know, I just don't think that, that that's necessarily how uh, how he's approaching it, and you know, I can certainly see the value of trying to maximize. Hey, you know, you've got this season. Let's 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 not throw this season away. Uh, you you know, just just to hold on to uh, a couple extra guys and see if you can get some second round picks out of them. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I I, I think he's had a plan, and I, you know, I, I it's admirable when a guy makes a plan uh, in the in the GM's office and 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 really sticks with it because uh, so often you see those things get blown. Up before they uh, before they really get rolling. So you know, I, I I guess I am still in a mode where I would give him the benefit of the doubt on that. Um, and uh, you know, I, look, if a deal comes along with for David Lee that makes sense, I think he's going to take it. But you know, I think it's it's a matter of that quote unquote making sense. That's 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 going to be uh, in the eye of the beholder, right? That, that that just how much you can get to the guy uh, is going to be uh, uh, you know difficult to ascertain right now.
0: Yeah, I just think that if it was a case, if it was a young player, it's like, okay, we'll kind of hold you on. But if it's a veteran player, really, even, like I said, even if he goes and he does well in some in place else, I think there is sort of value in making life, even if it's just a hair easier for Brad Stevens. It is a pretty stressful job. And I just don't think feeding someone minutes just solely because you want to keep him happy is just an ideal situation to be in. It may not add one win. It may not add two wins. It may not add anything. But I think it could, right. and I think it's worth the gamble itself. Most thought-provoking question you're probably ever going to get on this day. What is your general take of this team so far as we're now 30 games into the year?
3: Well, you know, I think uh, obviously it's it's still early enough to where you could certainly see some changes uh, uh, in terms of rotation or, or personnel or, or how they play and things like that. So it's hard to say what's going to happen from here, but uh, from what we've seen so far, I think, A, I've been very impressed with the defense. I did not think that they had the capability to play defense the way they have uh, to this point. Um, B, I think the one thing that, that you have to like about the offense is you know what it needs. And and so many teams are are in a position where, uh, you know, here they are at the end of December, and they don't really even know how to fix what's gone wrong with them. The Celtics, it's pretty clear. You know, they need shooting. They need some three-point shooters. They've been disappointed, I think. I think they hoped. Maybe a guy like RJ Hunter or a guy like James Young would be able to come in, uh, and, and, and kind of help with some of those issues. Obviously, Evan Turner has had a real struggle shooting the ball. Uh, but, you know, they, you've got to be able to shoot the three, uh, in today's NBA, especially the system that they run. So, you know, I think that, that sitting at this point, I think you're very pleased with one half of the team and, and, and the way they performed on one half of the floor. Uh, and, you know, the other half has been okay. Uh, but you know what ails it. And I think that that's not a bad position to be in, really.
0: Yeah, I think my biggest frustration with the team really has been is I don't think they really respond well in adverse situations, particularly offensively. I see this team sort of get down defensively when things are tight. But when on uh, offense, if, the, if that ball's not going to the basket, you see a lot of guys like Evan Turner and Isaiah Thomas, if they're going to throw names around, they'll start dominating the basketball, and they'll really get away from taking you know good shots. And that doesn't obviously hurt the team in the short run. I just think that it hurts the team in the long run. Hopefully that's something they can figure out because that's sort of something that when it comes to developing players and developing a culture. Best question I'm going to ask you. That was sort of the most general question. Best question that I'm going to ask you. Can we put the lid on any DeMarcus Cousins trade discussion? Is Sacramento flat out just not really interested in trading him whatsoever?
3: Uh, you know, I, I have never uh, been under the impression through the people i talked to and the people uh, around that organization uh, that, that they were anywhere close to, uh, you know, being in a position where they were going to trade him. Uh, you know, a lot of that, 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 Organization has a lot of input uh like it or not from from the uh, uh from the team's owner. Um, sometimes that hasn't really worked out to their advantage, of course, but, uh, uh, he, he has no interest in trading Demarcus Cousins. So even if you have a general manager, even if you have a coach who says, uh, you know, we've got to try to see what we can get for this guy, uh, the owner has had no interest in that. And the owner, uh, thinks he knows basketball pretty well. You know, we can, we can argue about the, uh, uh, the reality of that, but, uh, that, the fact is that, uh, that as long as he continues to feel that way, they're not going to move him. And, and that's, that's always been my impression uh, is that, uh, that they've never been in, at a point where uh, they said, uh, okay, let's let's see what we can get for this guy. Uh, it just hasn't happened yet.
0: Okay, I lied about being the last question. This is definitely the last question. I <laughs> m- mentioned my theory a little earlier on the show with Chris Forsberg as to why his name keeps coming up in trade discussions. Why – or not even trade discussions – reported trade discussions as we all know there's a pretty big difference between that why do you think you keep reading his name attached to the celtics in mainstream and even alternative media outlets if you would like
3: to answer like that well, yeah, because he's he's somebody who obviously has a huge amount of talent. He's somebody that people like to imagine. Okay, what would he be like in situations situation X, Y, and Z? Uh, and he's somebody who's clearly you know not been not been easy to get along with. So as long as you have that, uh, as long as you have those elements, uh, I think you're going to be in a position where uh, you know the guy is going to be uh, uh, the subject of trade rumors uh, year in and year out. I mean, some guys just really seem to uh, to to strike. That, uh, that that court, I and mean, remember how long it was uh, when the Lakers had Paul Gasol, that, that Gasol was going to wind up somewhere, was something like three years, and he finally he, he played out his contract, and then didn't leave until he went into free agency, so uh, I think with some guys, they sort of just uh, uh, you know, the rumors start, and so then you just hear him over and over again, seems like he's that guy right now.
0: Yeah, you and know, obviously, as you mentioned the Gasol thing, that was a good one that you brought up, you're right about that, and whenever there is sort of a team if it's a team that's as good as the Lakers, if they ever yeah. had a stretch that lost three out of five, it's, oh, yeah, but they got to need to trade Paul Gasol. It's not the Paul Gasol trade idea. So you're absolutely right, but that's a good way to get you out of here. Sean Devaney, NBA insider for the sporting news. You can follow Sean on Twitter at his namesake, Sean Devaney. Sean, Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for doing this once again.
3: Okay, Larry. Thank you.
0: I tell you what, after both of those interviews, I came to the conclusion – While as much as it frustrates me as a fantasy, corporate and mainstream media outlets get caught up in trying to keep up with these shady blog sites and trying to get their traffic and their clicks. And therefore, I don't want to false. You know, they don't falsify it, but they certainly do pump up and inflate things that are not there as much as I hate that, especially when it's so obvious. We actually need these trade discussions in the NBA. We really do. We need trade talk in December and January because from a general NBA, the NBA and the interest at this point of the season is based so much around these talks or the discussions of potential deals or how the player X or player Y can help your team, blah, 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 blah. But look at it from this point of view. I mean, God, these, I'm going to Christmas. These games, they just don't mean anything. It's very hard for me to get into this if it does not involve your favorite team. And for me, as we know, that's the Celtics. And obviously, I want to see how they grow and get better, et cetera, et cetera. I have an emotional investment in the Celtics. But I'm now shifting things from the rest of the league to an entertainment standpoint. And yes, everyone was all tight in the standings this year. and It's a very intriguing year in that aspect. I get that. But from the grand scheme of things mediocrity is still reigning supreme here, and the regular season is meaning less and less. For me, as a fan, I cared about one game back on Christmas. One game. I wanted to see Golden State and Cleveland because I knew Cleveland was going to come in, fired up, and they would play hard and give it a run. And they have one of the best players of all time on their team. Golden State, obviously, very captivating in their own right, to say the very least. i don't have to go into that any further than I just did. But I knew it was going to be a very interesting game and something that really caught my eye. And it was something that I wanted to see. And it was worth my time. Couldn't quite get to the end. I have a 7 p.m. appointment with my futon mattress every night that I must adhere to. But to me, I'm, see, I'm actually an Ebenezer Scrooge. I hate the holidays. I hate Thanksgiving. I hate Christmas. I hate how the world stops. I would much rather be working. I'd much rather be making money. Criticize me all you want. That's just me. I just don't like how the world stops and one you need to be available to get things done, to work alongside you, they stop while you keep going, I hate that. But that's me, and I can get chastised that for all, for all you want. Call me an Ebenezer Screws, call me a Grinch, I'll accept it. But if we are going to stop the world, and now that we've bastardized these holidays in America, and it's all about buying crap that we don't need, it's all about watching TV so we can watch a ton of advertisements to buy more crap that we don't need, that's, that's why we get an array of football on Thanksgiving, no matter how watered down it is. That's why we get five freaking basketball games on Christmas. Five basketball games on Christmas. For me, at least, I like to consider myself more of an intellectual fan. I need to be captivated to an extent to watch one or more NBA games in a day that does not involve a team that I have said emotional investment in, that being the Boston Celtics. And to do that, the NBA needs to rectify this issue. Their regular season needs to be far more attractive in attracting their intellectual viewer to watch more than one game on Christmas. They cannot have a regular season that does not mean as much as it should. A league where there's technically one to three, three max, no more one to three teams that can win a championship in this particular season. That being, of course, Golden State, San Antonio, Cleveland, everybody else cross lines to them. Forget about it. It doesn't work for me to be force of bed five freaking games. At this point, just air one. That's asking for a little bit too much. I know, as there are people who sadly spend hours in front of their television, but should have just aired Cavs Warriors. No, it's all about the masses. It's all about the degenerate gambler crowd or the mommy's basement crowd who park their butts on a couch and watch sports all day. I I guess I can accept that, and that's why we're going to get to five games or all these games and multiple games. But if our holidays are going to be based around what's on TV, can we at least get good teams? can we at least get good games? Can we stop getting the lions? Can we stop getting the cowboys? Can we not get freaking pelicans' heat at high noon I, I don't know why i'm going I'm discussing this like this should be this today's after christmas is it's uh Hey, whatever, it's 3 a.m., I'm on an empty stomach, I need my steak and eggs. I do know I got quite the reaction from my friends, giving them American Farmers Network for Christmas. That was the high end for me. But I do hope, actually, now let's get, let's get, we've got to put a little positive spin in this. i got a deep breath. I do hope you had a great holiday. I do hope that, despite my little, little way there to conclude this show over these last few minutes, that you did enjoy the show. enough to come back next week, because next week, I did not forget... What I said at the beginning of this show, our second announcement, here it is on this broadcast next week. Glory, glory, hallelujah for much of our audience. I will not be here next Sunday, but Celtics beat will be and will be with a reunion of sorts. The old Celtics stuff live team of John Duke and Justin pullen They are back. They will host this show on next week's edition January 3rd, 2016. It's all theirs. I believe they have Mark Spears of Yahoo Sports coming on. So to all the throwback podcast listeners, Merry Christmas. And to our newer uh, podcast audience over the last few years who may not be familiar with Celtic Stuff Live, tune in next week as John and Justin will be back. And we'll be back on the CLNS Radio Airwaves. So Merry Christmas again. Happy New Year. I'll be checking out for some time. No episode of Unfiltered this week. That will return after the new year. I will not be here next Sunday, but I'll be here plenty in 2016. Don't get too excited. I won't be here next Sunday, but Celtic Stuff Live will be here. So now is my time to give these wishes to our audience, that of which we are ever so thankful for on a week-in and week-out basis. Have a great and safe new year. That is going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Beats, Project R, and Steph LeGrateau. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. We'd love to thank our guests, Sean Devaney of The Sporting News and Chris Forsberg of ESPN Boston, as well as our sponsors, Tick IQ, Harry's, and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director Nick Jelso and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtic Speed, I am Larry H. Russell. Next Sunday, I'm out. Celtic Stuff Live is in. This is Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS
3: Radio.